Hello, and welcome to episode 36 of the Physique Development Podcast, a podcast bringing you structured Q&As, deep dives on a single topic, inside looks at our team, and more. Today is going to be continuing our three-part series as far as the owner's fitness journeys. If you have not listened to Alex's fitness journey episode, it was two episodes ago before the Thanksgiving episode, and I would highly, highly recommend it. And then myself, Suze, will be um, after this one. And if you're interested in any of our coaches on staff, each of them do have an individual episode where they not only talk about their fitness journey, but they also take some time to talk about something within fitness that'll be helpful for you all. So definitely go check those out. Um, And there's one more coach that we'll be recording this week as well. So keep an eye out for Caleb's. But getting started with Austin Current here. Here we go. (laughs) So I'm going to take the same kind of route as I did with Alex's and just be able to hear a lot of his story. And it'll be cool just to see how they overlap and how they differ just within their history between each other. So getting started here, what got you into lifting and fitness? Was it something in childhood and influence, something to do with your body image? What did that look like for you? Yeah, it's a little bit different. It was interesting listening to Alex's. Obviously, I've known Alex for a long time now and i do know quite a bit about how he began and the the fitness magazine route and like how he got into it and it's funny because mine differs so greatly where i don't think i ever i don't think i looked at my first like fitness magazine until like well into high school so i was like deep into high school before i even like picked up a magazine and so most of my influence comes more from the sports realm, which Alex and I are like in that way. Um, but like my first motivations for getting into all of this essentially were I used to do like push-ups. I used to have like perfect push-ups and pull-up thing and in my room when I was little growing up. And every night or every night I remember to do it. Uh, I did, you know, like 50 to 100 push-ups and then pull-ups and like crunches and like those things that like little kids do, um, or, you know, adolescents do, I guess. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into it. And then I would chug a a big glass of milk and then, um, I'd get ready for bed, go to bed. Um, and that was really like my start. And then my mom noticed like my brother was into it. So I have a brother who's two years older than I am. And so he was a big inspiration for me starting to get into it as well. And so, he got me originally in the gym doing like body weight stuff. And he also shares a commonality with Alex and I with uh, Josh Wildeman as well. So like my brother went through the same Wildeman approach of strength conditioning and, and knowing proper form and doing things correctly. And so I originally, when I was 11, 12 years old, my brother took me into like the, the YMCA and he was teaching me all the stuff he was learning. And so he kept me under his reins. And, you know, if I picked up a heavier load than I should have, he was like, no, put that back. We're not (laughs) doing that. Um, And so he really instilled early on um, the the right way to do things and got me into all of that. And then I got introduced, you know, to to Josh and the strength conditioning route, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old and um, around 12 or yeah, 12 or 13 years old, around sixth, seventh grade is when I kind of started things. Um, But yeah, I don't know. My grandfather, uh, I grew up my whole life like in and out of locker rooms. So he was a college football coach. And so I really grew up around just like football and sports. And, you know, I was always around that. So I don't don't know if there was ever any 
true inspiration of like getting into the gym as much as I just, I was always an athlete and I always just wanted to, to sort of feel and be stronger. Um, it didn't really turn aesthetic until a little later on, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. I, I love that, that your brother was able to be that for you and to be able to bond over that together, as well as just having Josh as a teacher as well, which is new news to me. Um, but really cool that that just kind of transpired that way. So with you talking about sports, what did sports look like for you? Um, I've heard that you're quite the sports superstar all growing up. So yeah. <laughs> what yeah. did that look like? And how did that um, go with weights? Was it just doing weights because it was a part of the team sport? And that was what you were doing? Or because you started around 12 or 13? Was it always something you knew you wanted to do more of in tandem with the sports? Yeah, early on for for sport reasons, like it was more of like a byproduct. Like if you play sports and you want to be better at it, you do this. And so it was never something that it's just funny because like Alex has always been so driven, like headstrong towards like knowing what he wanted to do, like it, it involved strength training, it involved resistance training, it involved all these managing nutrition. It, it, it's funny to like listen back to his episode because I just listened to it before I came over here. <laughs> and because mine was just like so opposite, like I never really cared about any of that stuff or knew about it really. It's not that I didn't care about it. I think I cared about it like in a roundabout way, but I just never knew that world existed. And so all I knew about resistance training and strength conditioning and all that stuff was essentially like hey if we pl you play sports you do this and i know like athletes lift and i know they did strength conditioning i know they were explosive i knew i knew all those things or at least i knew of those things and so that made sense to me at least and it was like also something that i was sort of just naturally good at doing and so anytime you kind of go in and you're naturally good at something you start doing you're like oh, i want to do more of this because like i'm good at it and then that's sort of like reaffirms that behavior a little bit more and so that was essentially why i got into it and how sports got me into the strength conditioning route got me to pick up weights um but yeah my brother introducing me to it um and then sports kind of re reaffirming that and then i didn't really start lifting for more aesthetic purposes as i said until a little bit later on yeah and for those sports what were all those sports that you were playing mm, yeah Mainly, so I grew up playing basketball, baseball, and football. Funny enough, baseball was always my best sport. Um, some some funny uh, backstory with baseball uh, that I'm not going to go into. It's not <laughs> worth going into. Um, but that was actually my best sport. And I, that's one thing I wish I would have stuck with more. Um, and Alex and I would have played together in, in high school, which would have been very cool. Uh, but I, I ended up quitting that before I essentially going into high school, something happened. And as you're a kid and, and you do things, you're just like, I made the decision, like I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I should have. And then like, it, it happened to where like at the school we went to, unless you played, like you had to do this essentially to like make the high school team. Mm -hmm. And I, ref I like, whatever happened, I refused to do that thing that got you into the high school, like program and i was like i'm not doing that and i was like headstrong and like i'm not doing it still has the same headstrong yeah. attitude <laughs> yeah. now yeah it's like i'm not doing that and so um that was that was the end of baseball for me and then football and basketball continued on through high school and so football basketball were the the main athletic endeavors yeah and with going into college was it something that you wanted to play a sport going on or how did that look like as you transitioned out of high school into college yeah i thought football was my ticket 
I thought football was my ticket to, to college. I thought it was the only way I was going to college. And I lived that through my grades. I lived that through all of the things um, where I essentially just got the grades I needed to to play football and play sports. And basketball is just something that I was I was good at and I enjoyed. And so I kept playing it. Um, but football was like, that was my ticket. I grew up around football. I like my family, if you know my family, like it's nothing but football 24 seven. And so like from every angle, every side of the family. And so that was it for me. And, and that's what I thought was going to kind of be my ticket into, into my future. And then through some traumatic brain injuries, I um, sort of hung up the cleats, if you will, and made that decision, uh, which was not an easy decision, but absolutely the the right one. And that was essentially kind of that was a sort of a, a paradigm shift in the way that I had to look at life and look at my future. And in high school, it's like so tough. And the only kids I knew were played football or played sports. And, you know, all the faculty members you're like sort of getting close to and have a more of an intimate relationship with because they've been your coaches forever. You know, like I lost touch with most of them because I, you know, I, I stopped playing. And so they're like, they didn't really under, understand the reason I stopped playing because this was like before all the information on concussions mm -hmm. came out. And so it was kind of like, what are you doing? What do you mean? Yeah. Like, this is made up. Like you, you're fine. And it was like, I'm not fine. <laughs> I can promise you I'm not fine. And so I was really proud of that decision. And, but it really was a paradigm shift. It was a complete trajectory shift in my life. And essentially, I guess how I found myself doing the whole physique thing and like more of the aesthetic style training, um, which comes like into college after my freshman year, um, you know, I needed a new endeavor. I needed a new challenge. Um, you know, like Alex, very like once I set my mind to something, very headstrong in that. And um, and like you in that regard. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like, all right. And then I got, I didn't really know. And so I was working at a gym at the time and, and a close friend that I had made at the gym, Alicia McDowell. Um, she was like, hey, there's this new physique thing. You should kind of got a physique for it you should try it and it was like Ugh, no <laughs> and so i refused to do it forever i was just like absolutely not and so every and every to clarify that if you know austin personally or if you know alex they are not the type of guys that you would think in their personalities to get up in small swim trunks and present their bodies no. so with him saying absolutely not i'm gonna go ahead and guess that it was more so not because he thought a certain way about bodybuilding but the idea of parading around in a swimsuit and all of that stuff yeah I, that, that's my nightmare so, <laughs> um center of attention is approaching my nightmare um up until the point I don't know if I, I don't bask in being at the center of attention, but I don't mind like public speaking and like presenting or anything like that. So we're like approaching my nightmare and then the parading up and on stage <laughs> with like a fake tan and all that, like is absolutely crossed the line of nightmare <laughs> and into the, the category of like, I don't want to spend time here. And so that was essentially like why I was so gung ho to not do it. Um, I didn't, uh, I didn't know anything about bodybuilding and that's really where you know, Alex and I differ so greatly and how we started was like, he was more under, like he knew more of that. Like he looked at the mag, like he was into the magazines, he was into those things. And like, I, I think I was averse to the idea because I knew, I at least knew that you had to do the, the stage thing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, nope. And then 
I actually didn't know anything about it. And since, I mean, since I was young, I mean, my whole childhood essentially, um, like stories from my grandmother and, or my grandparents, my mom and, and my family, like they'll tell you like growing up, I did not do it until I was ready to do it. And like, I would stand on the sidelines until I understood what was going on. And then I would put myself in it. Like I wouldn't like pick up games or anything like that. Like I would sit on the curb at recess as a kid, <laughs> like just watching people play a game before I started it. Like I never have been the like, let's jump in and see what happens kind of yeah. guy. And so I think that was a big part of it too, where I just didn't know. And so I was kind of scared, you know, of like, ah, this is un uncharted territory for me. And I, I'm, I'm kind of nervous and I could tell it, it was also going to be my first individual sport. I had mm -hmm. never really played an individual sport. Which is a hard transition for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The center of attention thing and being an individual, it's like, it's all up to me. You know, it's like, ugh, I yeah. don't want to do that. <laughs> and to rewind a little bit, when you did go to college, did you know that you were doing exercise science or were you started with another degree? What did that look like for you? No, in a roundabout. So I started with exercise science. Um, so I actually started university with the idea of um, being a physician's assistant. Um, so being a PA and going to PA school, um, but I was going the exercise science route because it was different. Um, I have an aunt who's a nurse practitioner and she was kind of like guiding me through the idea of it. She's like, one, you're a male. That's great. And two, it's good for applications if you don't go the pre-med route. Like mm -hmm. they, they are looking for people who don't go th through the same trajectory every time. Um, and so... I, I knew that and like I kind of had that idea planned and so I did my first year at Ball State up in northern Indiana and um, I went in exercise science I enjoyed it um, I enjoyed all the science-based classes I enjoyed all those things and and then when I came back to the USI University of Southern Indiana um, where Alex and I ended up finishing our degrees out and and th the story you know begins <laughs> with everything um, I Kind of dabbled into dietetics and then I ended up finishing my degree in exercise science. So I was kind of, I started exercise science, I finished exercise science, but in the middle there was some dietetics that I played with for a couple of years mm -hmm. that I ended up not liking as much. And within that first year, since you didn't get into physique stuff until that second year after freshman year, like you talked about being a little bit lost after sports have been your whole identity, your whole life for the most part, and been such a big part. What did that look like in that in between before you got into deciding was that where you lost that whole year? Did you lose yourself in school? How did that look um, as far as where your headspace was at? Oof. Yeah, it was a rough, uh, a rough transition. So like your whole identity becomes something. And then that's that identity sort of like, like a rug is just taken under your from under your feet, it's just like swept under you. And I was I was really lost, honestly, as a person. And I was trying to, you know, you're young, you're, you're sort of attached to these identities you've always had. And so I was really attached. And I've always been a very to myself kid, very introverted. Um, you know, I kind of just in this kind of like, tells the story of Alex and I's friend, the beginning of Alex and I's friendship and our, our friendship, you know, throughout time is I don't, I don't find myself around many people. Mm -hmm. And so like when I find someone or I find a, a couple of people, like I really just kind of like latch on and I'm like, you're my person. Like, this is it, man. You know, I hope you're in it. And then, so like, that's kind of where the, those trial periods with Alex came in. It was like, not just like as a friend, but like as, you know, a workout partner that became a friendship. 
And um, and so when I kind of to digress a little bit, like I've always been a very to myself kid, and I was very attached to identities. Um, not the most social guy, you know. Um, don't put myself in many situations like that. And so when when sports were out of the question for me, I really lost a lot of a big part of myself. And so I was sort of searching for what that new identity was, who I was going to become, and. Um, uh, my first year of university, my first year of college was like, uh, I just really focused on school. Cause like I hadn't focused on academics until then. Mm-hmm. Cause I'd never really given it my all because I'd always had sports to kind of like occupy myself and to, um, give myself purpose. But I was like, well, this, this purpose is gone. And the fact that I even got into college is an interesting story, um, that involves, some um behind the scenes like hey man believe in this kid sort of thing (laughs) like let him in i promise you he's going to succeed um and so like originally i shouldn't even have got into ball state to begin Mm -hmm. with um from my grades and sat scores and anything like nothing to write home about and so i didn't really find the cerebral part of myself until that first year of college and so that was a that was a big thing um and so I, i went heavy into the academics I study, you know, studying four to five hours a day and, you know, partied a little bit. It definitely was like, only if my studies were done, would I go out? Like mm-hmm. only, only if, and only if everything was done, I would go. And there was a lot of weekends where I didn't go. There's a lot of times I didn't go. And, you know, I came out of that year with really kind of a, you know, perfect grades. And that was the first time I had ever felt empowered and confident in myself from an intellectual standpoint. And that was kind of like, there's sort of like that, that superpower that gets on, mm-hmm. reveals itself. And you're like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. And so that was, that was exciting for me. And I sort of took that and ran. And then after that first year and came back and started to get introduced to the world of, of training for something again, really sort of like took that new confidence I had in myself intellectually and academically and the confidence I had sort of already established physically and sort of just like created this amalgamation of kind of what became of it. But, yeah. yeah. And I think that's, it's really cool and it's really unique because so many athletes find themselves so lost yeah. and they don't have another medium to dive into. And a lot of times academics aren't the main priority when you're an athlete. And so jumping into college, whether there's doing athletics in college or a situation like yours, where those athletics were kind of torn from you before you were done, um, it put you in a position where you could either decide to kind of be in one headspace or decide to see what it was like in the other. So I think you diving into academics is really cool because a lot of athletes don't always go that way. Not to say no one does, but especially for you to channel that energy and channel that power and just be like, hey, I want to do something within this instead of just my life ending at high school and just kind of being like, I was going to be a star athlete. (laughs) That's the worst. Don't don't, don't peak in high school. That's the worst thing you could do. And so within that, obviously, you're an exercise science but you had the goal of pre-med so during that first year were you actively training regularly or were you really focused on school and just kind of went to the gym because it like was you learning in school as well or what did that look like until you started to go more regularly yeah good question i i think it was a continuation of habits that were formed in high school I, i think i just lifting for me has always been a sense of 
it, it's always been a constant because mm -hmm. like there's chaos happening in my head a lot, you know, <laughs> normally all day. So it's like when I can have a steady, reliable thing that I know is positive and makes me feel good, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. And so or I'll keep that routine going. And when I've sort of been the worst in my life in terms of emotion and, and mental health, I've noticed that habit slips. I'll like somehow weasel myself out of those routines and habits. And so that's a big thing. And I, I you never really realize things until they're gone. And then you're like, oh, that was a big thing. I didn't mm -hmm. know how big that was for me. So post hoc evaluation of, you know, looking back, it's, that's a very important routine that I, I think I just kept going with. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, you know, I didn't live, it wasn't crazy. I, I think I played basketball when I was at Ball State. I, I played basketball three or four times a week um, and then lifted three, three or four times a week. And uh, looking back now, I actually remember this the other day uh, when I was at Ball State, like I'd lift and then I'd go play basketball for like three or four hours. Mm -hmm. And so like, I just knew I needed to lift because it made me feel good. And I, I was, again, I was good at it and I knew it was a constant and basketball was like my main outlet of everything. It was kind of like, I feel really good when I do this. I'm making friends. I think that's the biggest thing too. Cause mm -hmm. like lifting, especially lifting for me is such a solitude behavior. Like it's just me and what I'm doing. And I truthfully am not interested in what anyone else is doing. Never really have been like when I'm in the gym. Mm -hmm. And so I think basketball for me was such a social thing that I'm not a very social person. And like, I'm the last person to like walk up to someone I don't know and introduce myself. Mm -hmm. And so basketball was just sort of like the, it was like this frictionless thing that I could just, you're playing pickup. So you're literally like shooting for teams. And so, you know, you shoot a three, make it, you're on that team. If you don't, you're on that team. And mm -hmm. it's like, all right, easy enough. And so you got, you know, you get introduced to an all new crowd and new people. And so Anytime that that can sort of be, the social aspect can be taken off of me and put onto mm -hmm. like this third party, um, I'm all in. And so that was the the two things that kind of kept me sane, I think, through my first year of adjusting to who this new version of me was going to be, um, or this, I guess a new version of me yeah. was, was a good way to put it. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so that was kind of my habits there. Uh, I didn't just three or four times a week in the gym and then three or four times a week playing basketball. Uh, so after you had that first year of playing basketball and lifting, getting into that second year is when you started to work at the gym, correct? Yeah. So I actually started working at the gym in high school. Okay. Um, so that was just a continuation of a job that I'd had in high school. And so my junior year of high school, I actually started to work at the gym. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into the, the gym scene. Um, and that kind of became, so when I started working there, that, that was kind of a new, a new thing for me where I was like, oh, this is a new place for me to go and just do what I need to do and be by myself. And like, cause very, so like very, when there's a lot of people around, it's very overwhelming for me. So like school is very, school is always very overwhelming for me. It's mm -hmm. a lot too much happening. <laughs> um, and so really when I think about it and so being able to escape and just do something by myself, you know, video game, video games were huge. When I was little, I played a ton of video games, started playing video games when I was four <laughs> on the computer. And like we used to have to take my, the whole computer, like nineties computer. Yeah. So a big thing. <laughs> um, 
like when, when we traveled, it's like my grandparents' house, like we had to take everything. And that was like, I need, I always needed time to myself mm -hmm. forever. Um, and so lifting started to become that for me. I, you know, I played less and less video games and I started to do more and more lifting. Um, and so like evenings, you know, it was between like, hey, come hang out of here. And I, I, it started to just become this cycle of like, maybe next time I'm at the gym. And so like I would, that would kind of be my escape of solitude. And so when I started working at the gym in high school, that started to become that. Um, and then I, you know, I got a free membership out of it so I could go at any time. And that started me going, I used to go before school in the off season outside of sports. And so during sports, we had morning weights. And so you never had to worry about that. So I just do after school at the gym. But then in the off season, when we didn't really have weights at the school, I kind of kept that routine. Routines are big. Kind of see that throughout. I kept that routine of going to the gym. And so I essentially started going to the gym with all my friends' parents in the morning <laughs> and seeing all of them in the morning. And then I'd go to my, go to the gym with friends after school. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of what I did. Yeah. First, I apologize if there's a random ring at the doorbell, just in case I don't catch it on the audio. Uh, but I didn't want that to sidestep us too much. Um, but within going to the gym and then working at the gym and then um, I guess another part of fitness journey where a lot of people's fitness journey probably start a lot like my own as far as just being in a spot where they don't know what to do with food. They had sports, but it wasn't as big of their life of you and Alex. And so it's always very interesting to me as far as how Alex ate growing up and what that looked like because he always needed to put on muscle. But for you, you are still an extremely hard worker, but you did have genetics on your side within that. What did food look like? And especially because getting into the middle of college, you also went into dietetics. Yeah. What did food look like? And what we would call, this is all a part of your fitness journey. But to you, I'm sure at that time, you weren't like, this is my fitness journey. You were like, I'm just, I went to high school. I'm in college. I'm still going yeah. kind of thing. So what did it look like with food? Was it a second thought to you or what yeah. was that? No. Um, yeah. I think when you're, when you're so active, that was also so like genetics on my side and then just an extremely active person. And so I never really, it was, it was an amount of food thing. Mm -hmm. And so my mom essentially, you know, it's just everyone around me is just like trying to push food, push food. And cause like she has, uh, you know, the coaches in her ear of like, make sure he's eating, make sure he's eating, you know? And so really it was just like, I would just eat and eat and eat normally like it was i'm not like alex is the whole dude he's a whole new beast like i don't i don't know what he i mean i wasn't taking food for in between class like <laughs> no I, I was very <laughs> I, I commend that but I, I i was never i just didn't have that insight or in like way of thinking mm -hmm. about it because it just wasn't it it really wasn't a pursuit of anything as much as just a byproduct of what i was doing mm -hmm. for the longest time and then a, a thing that just brought me a sense of calm and, and consistency. And then as that evolved and, you know, as you sort of leave the nest, leave your house, uh, your parents' house, you start to have to then take a lot of responsibility on yourself for your actions, especially nutritionally. Um, and so when I got to college, um, I had the habits enough in place where I like, I at least knew 
the important bits. I knew like each meal needed a protein source. And I knew there was a sense of portion control I needed to sort of have in that like vegetables and fruits are good. Like I knew at least the bare minimum going into college for just for this, like byproducts of like, you know, early education and, and that sort of thing. And then just like being around my, my mom and parents and grandparents and like being around the people we were around, I, I got a good structure and a foundation of like, this is a full meal. And actually a, um, a stepmom of mine at the time, she was like super big into sort of teaching us that like you can't get up and look until you eat your broccoli and your fruit, like non-negotiable. <laughs> and I was like averse to anything like that had to do with any vegetable. I was just like, oh, I'm not going to eat that. And it was essentially like I had to fight tooth and nail like in then and then so like, you know, vegetables, you had to eat that before you could get up. You had to ask if you could be dismissed from the table. So like all this kind of was like kind of new to me and that, you know, when I was growing up was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> she had a very loose childhood as far as that goes. Um, but that was, it was good for me. Cause like, you know, I learned how to hold a fork properly. I, <laughs> I asked, you know, I, it was like, I had to ask permission to, to leave the table. Um, I formed a lot of like table manners <laughs> during that time. Um, but I also sort of, inst it got instilled um, as far as like, from all my parents, as far as like meal portions, eat your vegetables, eat your fruits, eat healthy. But in, when you're in the season or when you're trying to put on weight, eat a lot, mm -hmm. right? So I kind of like got those habits. But as you go to college, it's sort of like, and you're kind of responsible for all that for the first time, you're, you're sort of learning on the fly. And I think that sort of explains a lot of the beginning origin story of a lot of this, you know, for all of us, it's like, you're just learning on the fly. You're just trying to figure it out. And you kind of, you do some things for a while, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, okay, fix that. Try this for a while. And you're like, all right, this is going better. Yeah. And I feel better. You know, I feel, got more energy. I look better. And you're like, all right, this is good. And you're kind of just picking up clues. And then my first year of college, you know, obviously in exercise science, I had a lot of nutrition classes and stuff. And that started, that started to really solidify things for me as far as like all of it, you mm -hmm. know, and the ratios and how much and, and then my sort of my soft my second year of college is kind of when the physique started to enter my life and when macros sort of became an idea mm -hmm. in my head of like okay how much protein carbs and fats do i need and then like tracking my macros became a thing um my second year of college and then you know it was just a snowball from there yeah essentially. so when alicia first said you should do the f the physique thing you said about a hell no <laughs> yeah. but how yeah. did it look for coming around to that uh and getting into the the com competing world because anyone who's in the competing world knows it's a completely different world than the world that the rest of the world lives in yeah and so what did what was that yeah um i think i discovered i started to look into it more you know everyone around me was sort of everyone around me at the gym was starting to get interested into it. And there was, I was lucky. There was a, um, a guy named Glenn at the gym as well, who was like Mr. Universe back, like Mr. Natural Universe, like back in the eighties the and nineties and stuff. And like, he obviously had his presence there as far as bodybuilding goes and doing things the right way. And, and you know, being a, a natural guy and like all of those things. And so he was kind of an inspiration for me early on at the gym and then alicia was there she was an inspiration and kind of like 
let me know of kind of like this this is kind of the ins and outs of it um and then there was a couple other guys that were like hey man let's just let's just do it let's all do it you mm-hmm. know and i was like oh, all right you know whatever <laughs> and so i started to train i was just like i think so my first show was six weeks away <laughs> kentucky muscle 2013 i had six weeks to prep and um, i'm gonna pause him real quick i apologize for interrupting but it is something where at this time in 2013 social media was nothing that it was now mm-hmm. and so with him saying like i didn't know much about the sport all of that where you could find that information was blogs and bodybuilding.com forums and the people at your gym. And so the fact that you had those people at your gym was a huge, huge thing to push you towards competing because it's just for anyone listening who you might be like, it's all over social media. That wasn't the case when he got into competing. No, this was like early, early YouTube fitness days. Like I discovered, so one person that's like really got me into all this and inspired me to do it with Steve Cook. And mm-hmm. um, he had his Swolger series back <laughs> in the day, his campus series back in the day, like where he was teaching you how to find your macros and he was teaching you how to to do all of the things and set up a diet. And like, so Steve Cook early on was like, he was it for me. That mm-hmm. was his YouTube channel. That was like, that was it. Swolger Nation, like that was it for he me. He was the epitome of men's physique. It, yeah, I mean, he was men's physique. Was reason, <laughs> him and Matt Christianer and those guys you know, I discovered those two guys and I just, I watched as I do, like when I discover, like, or when I want to do something or I discover something, I sort of become obsessed with it. And so I just obsessed, you know, and I wasn't working or wasn't doing like when I was just chilling, uh, you know, it was just, it was YouTube for me. It mm-hmm. was watching everything I possibly could. I was watching their training sessions. I was watching all their, uh, all their nutritional content and which were all very raw videos. There's not very raw. the editing. There no. wasn't all this coolness. It was literally someone walking around with the camera, barely cutting it yeah. and posting it on YouTube. Think early day iPhone, like vlogging. Yes. That's essentially <laughs> what it was. And then like, they like haphazardly kind of pointed at the whiteboard and like they're half in frame. <laughs> um, but that was really iMovie the start. iMovie was everything. IMovie, yeah, <laughs> iMovie editing. Um, it's, that was the start. That's how I kind of like originally started to learn about this thing. Yeah, so six weeks out, Kentucky Muscle 2013, because I interrupted. (laughs) No, you're good. So six weeks out, uh, 2013, um, I still remember my macros were, I set them at, I was 200 protein, 200 carb, 50 fat. I did that for six weeks. And I just did that. And I kept progressing. I like week by week, day by day, it just like, there's something because I was moving a ton. So we're mm-hmm. looking at like, you know, at this time, not even like tracking this information. I was probably naturally getting 10, 15, 20,000 steps a day. Mm-hmm. I was lifting one to two times a day. And so and my job was at a gym, never sitting down, only moving around. And so when your neat is that high and you lift and, you know, you got to good metabolism and the genetics are kind of in your favor. It was sort of like a recipe for success for me. And, and then I had people around me pushing me to, to try new things and, um, kind of get my, put myself out there. And so, you know, six weeks go by and I pretty lean, you know, ready for a show. And, uh, I end up winning the show. And as you do, as I mentioned earlier, as you start to do something and you're find early success in it you're like all right well i'll keep i'll keep doing this and 
it was a very, it started to become sort of a empowerment thing for me. It started to become a, a, a sense of control when there wasn't much control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what it started to become for me. But that was, that was the first show, six weeks out, <laughs> prepped. Luckily, it went well. I had no idea what I was doing, by the way. Not a clue. <laughs> and the neat and everything he was saying is so true within being able to get that lean. But also, he had years and years of lifting experience mm-hmm. under his belt. So if you're like, well, why don't people, aren't people able to do that? They found out about competing earlier. They are able to see all of that. They don't have years and years of athletics and lifting under their belt. And as you've heard him talk about his food, he was never necessarily in a diet. His metabolism was in a phenomenal spot. So he was able to achieve all of this, which I think is just important to point out because within competing, it's very easy to look at someone else's story and be like, why doesn't that happen to me? Or I should be able to replicate that. But a big thing that I always try to talk to with my clients for competing, and I know that everyone on PD does as well, is just that it's important to set yourself up for success. And you did that unknowingly and put yourself in a phenomenal position to be successful. Very unknowingly. (laughs) But he did it. So the one, the first show, then what did competing look like after that for you? I kind of saw the, um, the input output, I saw the cause and effect of what it was, right? I could see that this effort turned into something. And that was sort of the reinforcement that I needed because there was a lot of things going on and a lot of things earlier in my life that effort didn't necessarily always turn into an outcome, right? And there was a lot that I was just not in control of and that was really discouraging for me. And then the whole sports thing happened and I lost kind of who I was. And so this seemed like an opportunity, a natural thing. And it, I, and I, I was never really, none of this is ever planned for me. And I kind of just, I got asked the other day of like, you know, why are you doing this? Why do you do this? And really it's just because I started to do it and I haven't stopped doing it yet, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't plan on stop doing it, but like, I just, that's this, that's the story. That's as much thought has gone into it. You know, obviously a lot of investment and time and energy and effort have gone into it because, you know, you, you want to be good at it, mm-hmm. but, um, and you want to do right by you know your clients and all that stuff, but everything's kind of just haphazard. Like I just started and it kind of seemed like the, the next thing for me, a transition. And it was something to kind of sink my teeth in, form a new identity and kind of go from there. And so that was, uh, yeah, that was that. Yeah. yeah. And so then after your first show, how many shows did you end up doing total? Yeah. Um, so I did, I forget, honestly, like I did <laughs> two, two more and then a third one. So I did two in between the national show that I ended up doing in mm-hmm. 2014. And so I did the Kentucky muscle in 2013, which is my first show. And then there was sort of the idea of like, okay, well, I need to, I need to kind of like build muscle. Right. Cause mm-hmm. you, you could see like, once I saw the stage photos, cause I'd never really seen, I mean, I had kind of like check-in photos by myself cause I got myself essentially ready for that first show. Mm-hmm. Like I had some second eyes of like, Hey, is this going how I think it's going? <laughs> like, is this, am I starting to look like, are, I'm we, on to look? Right are we on the right track? Are we on the right track? Like, should I do anything else? Should I eat bananas? Like, <laughs> you know, I honestly, at that time too, like I remember I had this thought where I had a, there was a cliff bar and I was like very disciplined. I was like, you cannot waver me from this. So I, 
you know, I was following macros, but I was on a very strict meal plan mm -hmm. that were that I set within the macros, right? Which honestly helped a ton. That's huge, especially for prep. <laughs> especially for prep, and especially not knowing what the hell was going on. <laughs> and I remember there was a Cliff Bar on my counter, and I um, from there I I had that had tracked the Cliff Bar. I had the Cliff Bar. It fit my macros. It, it was fine, but in my head, it was still within that framework where I was like. That was a cheat meal. That was a cheat. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and so like I was still in that headspace, you know, obviously early on, you don't really know anything. And and so like that was that's how much information I had at that time. Mm -hmm. Right. That's how it was going. Um, and then so I did that show and then I kind of saw that cause and effect. I saw my stage shots and I'm like, I saw where my physique needed improvements because I knew, you know, I, I was comparing it to like Matt Krishner and Steve Cook and these other guys. And I was like, OK, I know I need to bring up this area. And then I think a really cool kind of switch that flipped for me was seeing that my effort and the reps I was doing in the workouts truly like it, it displayed itself on stage, mm -hmm. right? And the first time, like directly, directly, like literally on, like you, you could see it in photo. You're like, oh my God, those pull-ups that I was doing, like that's right there, you know? Yeah. And that was the first time it ever clicked for me. Again, coming from a strength conditioning background where you're just worried about performance and like, um, you know, weight lifted and like how fast you lifted the weight. Like I was never worried about what I looked like. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of a, that was a big change for me, uh, essentially. So that was that. I did two more shows. Um, and then that third show, which I did two more shows that I, the second show I won um, the third show, which was kind of like a ramp up into nationals, like a trial run. That was the only show <laughs> that went terrible for me. Like <laughs> I looked great. I thought I brought what I needed to bring to it. Um, but it was a super weird happening. Like it was one thing I got third in my class, mm -hmm. like didn't not third overall, just like third, third in my class. Actually? And then the people that ended up going up for the overall weren't even weren't even in the first call outs of prejudge it was a super weird show i'll just say that like super weird i'm not giving excuses but like it was a weird show and so that psyched me out of going to nationals and trying to get my pro card really psyched me out and so my mom funny enough was i still remember where i was standing when we it's alpha pocos it was in newburgh and we were standing in their like overflow lot we had just gotten lunch and I basically was like psyching myself out of like, I'm not, do I don't think I'm doing it. Cause she was like, she's like, all right, she's always my biggest cheerleader. She's like, what's next? <laughs> you know, she's like, what's next? What are we doing next? Um, where am I going? <laughs> where, yeah. Where are we going? Where do I need to book? What, what's hotels? What's the dates? Um, and so I was like, essentially psyching myself out and I was like, I don't think I'm going, I'm not going to do it. Um, and I, I don't think I had a lot of self-belief in that sort of, you know, department. And so, um, she ended up being like, no, we're going, you're doing it. We're going. And so I was like, fine, you know? And, um, so I ended up doing it and going and ended up winning my pro card. Thankfully my grandparents were there. My brother was there. Like it was incredible. Yeah. And so that was kind of that history of things. And then I did a couple pro shows after that, but 
Yeah, I, I absolutely love that your mom pushed you and you've always talked about your mom just being such a good cheerleader for you as well as Alex has mentioned that uh, numerous times and just loved you being in the sport loved you competing in general, whether it wasn't like a football or basketball or up on stage love to watch you do your thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love that that was the case. But after those pro shows, what did competing end up looking like for you? Was it something that you were like, I'm going to the Olympia, I'm going to be like Steve Cook? Or where did your mindset shift as to where you wanted to go with your life? Yeah, it, it still very much was competing for me. Um, when I got my pro card, it was sort of, it was weird for me because it was an idea that I had in my head that was going to take me years to do. And it took me nine months. And so I was like, Oh, <laughs> I'm so, here. <laughs> yeah, you're here. Right. And so like when you set a goal of achieving something that seems like outlandish, it's less about the goal and more about who you become in between. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and what happens and the opportunities that come up through that work that gets you to that goal. Right. And the goal happened so quickly that my life really wasn't different between starting, setting that goal and achieving the goal. Mm -hmm which for me was a weird thing because I was expecting, as we do, we expect things to be different when you get there. And nothing had really changed other than me having this pro card thing, mm -hmm. you know, now they're bigger, but they were smaller. <laughs> and- um, You could get a discount at Lululemon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Um, for real? Yeah. Oh. Uh, there you go. Professional athletes can. And if you're IFBB, so anyone listening, if you're an IFBB, We're learning stuff. you can uh, get a discount at Lululemon. <laughs> learning things. Is it still the 40%, like 30, 30%? It's something. It's a it doesn't discount. doesn't matter. It's a discount. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Um, I don't have, I don't know where my pro card is. Anymore, but, but you'd be like, I have proof. I'll yeah. show you a picture. I'm I, a pro. I think I do have a photo. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, what was the, what was the, <laughs> You reached your goal faster oh, than sure. you thought. Yeah. So it was a really weird mindset for you of what that looked like moving forward. Yeah. And so I knew I wanted to compete as a pro. It was always kind of my dream to do. Um, and so I was like, all right. And, you know, I, I immediately, obviously, called Alex, got with Alex. Um, and I was like, all right, what's the next? Essentially, it was always my planning, you know, that in the planning process, like, what's the next one? What do we go for? What are we doing? And, you know, obviously he's competing at this time too. And so we're both like super invested into it. And um, we chose the Dallas Europa show in 2015. Um, and so there's some uh, funny vlogs from that. that <laughs> I'm show. also going to make you tell a funny story okay. about some chicken. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the show where the infamous chicken got eaten by me. The chicken that, so we had to leave for the airport like obscenely early to get to St. Louis. So we lived in Indiana at the time, Southern Indiana. And it was a three and a half hour trip to St. Louis, which we had to get there in a certain amount of time to catch our flights to Dallas from St. Louis. And so I stayed up super late to cook this chicken, prep all my meals, pack the coolers, pack my bags, do all the things that you're supposed to do. And competitor brain, peak week brain, all the things, um, stressed. I was in school, you know, like tired, tired late, yeah. getting Just up early before the, the airport, all the things. Um, I left the chicken out all night and <laughs> I was, so I'd cut it up, put it in the Tupperware and right next to the fridge, like intending, like this goes in fridge. 
cool. That didn't happen. So I woke up and it was this oh shit moment like, oh my God, I did not put the chicken in the fridge. This is my only protein I cooked. I don't have any other protein. I know this chicken's gonna like it was like when you're on peak week, right? Like this, these are your foods. Like, yeah, this, this is, is what digests well. well. This is what sits well. This yeah. is the meal. Yeah. So salmonella was in the diet peak week. Um, <laughs> and the, the story goes of like the iron stomach that can eat anything. So, And if you're in food safety, please do yeah. not report it. Disregard this. It was just one situation. Yeah, disregard this information. But um, so yeah, like I took that chicken. I, I took the chicken and I took it to Dallas. It went on the plane. Like <laughs> that's, I, it was like two pounds, three pounds of chicken. And so I was like, and also we had no money. Yeah. We're all broke college yeah. students. <laughs> like, we're like, I can't rebuy this yeah, chicken. Yeah, I can't rebuy it and recook it. Like I can't do any of that. So, um, which I know my mom, like listening to this, she's gonna be like, why? Well, I, I would have done it. You know, I would have bought it. <laughs> I would have driven down yeah. there that night. <laughs> yeah. And so knowing that, like, but you know that's the funny story of the chicken and so you know i ate the spoiled chicken um borderline definitely had salmonella uh it smelled funny so like i opened the tupperware and it was like had that weird smell and you're like <laughs> i was like you're not gonna eat that i'm like yeah you're like the smell's not bad enough it's <laughs> yeah. all right yeah it's that smell that you're like i think it's all right <laughs> you're like sort of talking yourself into it's you're, like, okay smell it multiple times and you're like is it that bad yeah. or they sort of get a couple like wafts <laughs> i'm like no it's good it's good so that was yeah that was the 2015 dallas europa show which was my first pro show also super nervous i'm 22 years old like or whatever i think 22 super super nervous and um you know was traveling to dallas so obviously you're worrying about peak week you're worrying about airplane travel you're worried about you know your your um carb load you're worried about all of the things you know and then we got to dallas and we we're trying to get to the hotel and like there's just so much stress involved right and so the, and especially when you're a broke college student yeah. trying to do all of it and it was just me and alex on this trip right and which go back on youtube funny vlogs from the <laughs> dallas trip um i think it's labeled dallas europe whatever it is but first pro show maybe but um yeah so i had a separate I remember I just have a carry-on bag with just my carb sources. <laughs> like, and I was like eating carbs on the plane because I think I'd loaded on like 800 plus carbs that oh my load. So I was just like, I got to eat, man. Because we we didn't really understand that you should go numerous days in advance and mm -hmm. kind of get settled. And so it was kind of just like we went kind of the day before. And <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was like a whole new experience. It was my first two-day peak, which was mm -hmm. interesting. Prejudging was on Friday. Finals were on Saturday. That was a whole new ball game for us as well from a peak perspective. So we were just learning as we went, which is the moral of all the, the yeah. whole story, essentially. So within your pro shows, how did you end up doing or what did that do for your headspace within competing? Yeah. So my my first pro show, which was the Europa in Dallas, um, it, I, I, it went really well originally. <laughs> originally. Um, so... Uh, Prejudging went really well. Um, I was in, I, I made the top 10, mm -hmm. which for my first show, like my first pro, I was ecstatic. Yeah, I was like, for pro shows, top 10 is huge I in general. Hyped. And then yeah. plus it being his first show is huge. Yeah. I was super hype about that. And weren't there some also some pros that you looked up to that were at that show in yeah. that call out with you, which yeah. is so surreal. Dude, I was just, again, <laughs> like this 22 year old, like, I'm just here, man. You know, I've always just, my approach to all of it's just like i'm just here mm -hmm. you know like i just i'm just here i don't know we'll see what happens you know and like i'm competitive in my own way but i'm like 
Alex is way more competitive than mm -hmm. I am. Like way more. <laughs> I'm more internally competitive, but externally I'm just like, well, okay. <laughs> um, which is very frustrating to a lot of people. <laughs> but um, And so, you know, I, I did good in that show, got the top, got within the top 10, but going in on stage for finals, they told me, essentially they had told me my placing, they had told me where I had landed, but due to your shorts being too short, we have to knock you out of that top 10 placing and put you wherever I end up landing. And so, and Alex can tell you this story too, which was just freaking weird. And when I was, they told me when I was in line oh, to go one. on stage. Yeah. And only top 10 go on for finals as well. Yeah. And so they, they were telling me this as I was in line, I had sort of solidified that spot. And then they told me at that point. And so that was kind of the beginning of the end, the beginning of the end. Um, but I, I kind of laughed that off. It was kind of like, dude, I don't care. Like this was awesome. Let's go lift. Yeah. You know, cause we had a lift planned. That's the famous photo that oh, Alex yeah. out angled the shit out of everyone. <laughs> he looks more jacked than Alex ever. looks six foot three. <laughs> he looks so 240 tall. pounds. He's like six inches in front, like standing in front of God. He was, it was the king of out angling. Um, and he out angled the shit out of everyone. It was just two other people, I guess, in this photo, but out angled the shit out of everybody. And so that's the infamous photo came after that sort of that news, that finals, that show. We got a lift in with a, with a close friend at the time. And it was just like, dude, I don't care. You know, mm -hmm. like, let's go. I think in the, in the vlog, I'm like, let's go lift. Who knows? <laughs> like, what's next? Um, and so that was that. And then I end up going in between that show and my last show. That's when I went. I traveled in Europe, went to school in England. I kind of like spent four months out of the country. Um, and there was a lot going on in my life at that time too. And I was kind of running away from life at that time. Um, and then met my now wife and that was great. Uh, and then when I came back, um, I'd done my internship at MI40 at this time before then. And sort of like after that internship at MI40, it was kind of like in 2015, that was sort of like my catalyst into that 2016 prep. So mm -hmm. as soon as that I was kind of prepping when I was down there, but not really. It was kind of like that tail end or that like kind of like a ramp up period mm -hmm. before your prep starts that you're kind of like, let's turn it on. Yeah. Um, so that was that whole four months was me training twice a day, interning at the gym, ramp it up. Mm -hmm. And so that was great for as far as the physique went. Um, and then I, I, that led me right into that prep for that 2016 show. And that prep was definitely after I'd met Cassandra and like, traveled abroad and like my my perspective on all of it had kind of shifted a little mm -hmm. bit started to and it's not that I didn't want to do it anymore or it wasn't a big part of my life but it just changed mm -hmm. you know you kind of just just changes for you and but I want I knew I wanted to do a show with Cassandra there mm -hmm. I knew I it was it's been it's it's made me who I am it's been such a big part of my life that I wanted her to experience it with me and so that was like my last sort of like in my head, I was like, this is probably like the last time I'm going to do this. And so gave that show everything I possibly had the best I looked ever. I mean, I think it was all around just the best presentation got dead last, um, which is what it is when in the IFBB, if you don't compete, you only compete once every two years, you're like, mm -hmm. who are you? <laughs> 
you know. And so, especially now, there's so many pros. It's like, oh, yeah. who are you? I haven't seen you in four. When did you turn pro? Yeah, even a pro. Check your registration. Um, and so that was that. I didn't really care. And I remember I came off stage. You know, my biggest. My mom was just like super disappointed because she's all amped up. You know. And it was just like, you know, you just tell. It was just my parents were there, my dad, my, my stepmom, my brother, every like everyone has always supported that, always supported me. And that's been huge. Um, but when I came off stage after that show in 2016, it was kind of like I knew I had given. You know, it was that feeling we talked about on the a past in the past like few episodes. Um, essentially, like when you step on stage, is that you know. Mm-hmm. You're like you're reflecting as you're standing there. And you're like, did I do everything I could have done? Mm-hmm. In that prep, I did everything. No stones left unturned. And there was a sense of peace to that for me and a sense of calm. And I wasn't worried about it. Um, I kind of already, as soon as, like, as soon as you kind of have that prejudging, you kind of like, you can tell. And I, at, as soon as prejudging happened, it was sort of like, this is, you kind of knew where it was going. Mm-hmm. And so I just didn't matter. And I came off stage and, you know, I was super disappointed. It was like, <laughs> oh my God, you know? And I was like, dude, I don't care. Let's eat. Yeah. You know? And it was just, that was it for me. And um, that was kind of the last hoorah. And it'll probably be the last hoorah. <laughs> I can't say forever, but it's probably the last one. Yeah. I think that it, it takes a lot of self-awareness and self-reflection to get to a point where you realize something that's very large in your life no longer serves you. And whether that is it no longer serves you forever or it no longer serves you for that period of time, I think being able to have peace in that and to walk away from that is very powerful. I think a lot of people, whether it's relationships, jobs, or a sport or a hop, whatever it may be, stay in things longer than they feel that passion for it, or they feel like it still holds in their life because they just feel like that's what they should be doing. And for you, you have always been an athlete. You have always had a good physique. You've always had people rooting for you. You've always had the ability and things at your fingertips. And it could have been very easy for you to just keep doing it because it's what other people expected out of you. It's what your prior self expected out of you. It could be what you thought you needed to be successful and you could have held on to that so tightly and let so many other amazing things that came into your life after (laughs) kind of not happen if you didn't let that go. And I think that competitors specifically have a hard time when they realize that they've reached that point that it no longer serves them because to be a competitor, you have to dig down deep. You have to be 100%. You have to show up every day. And when you change that, it starts to feel, am I even giving what I need to of myself? Am I even showing up? Does this matter to me? Did it Did it matter to me ever? Like, what does that look like? It, it's that identity shift again after like being in athletics and being like, who am I now that I'm not this competitor? Who am I to my family? Who am I to my loved ones? Because they've seen you as that for X amount of time and you've seen yourself as that. And so it is something that I think is really special and really cool that you were able to just realize this doesn't hold in my life right this second. Um, and just be able to make that decision and keep moving instead of trying to hold on to something that was no longer suiting you. Um, and that's something that within, like I said, any aspect of life, a job, a relationship, a, a like a, something like bodybuilding of once you realize that it no longer serves you, 
to make that decision, to yeah. take those steps, because the person that you are today, if you would have kept competing, I mean, that's just not who you are. Good and if you compete again, it could very much so be who you are. So I'm not <laughs> saying that no, in a no, sense of not who I am, like, I mean, yeah. it's not who you are right now. Yeah. And it didn't allow you to achieve the things and find the things that bring you so much joy and peace right now, which is just Again, so special to see throughout your whole journey of making those calls along the way when it was so hard when sports were taken from you earlier than you thought, that anyone thought, and you decided this isn't worth my health right now. And then for you to step into competing and realize this isn't worth the relationship I have with my wife, this isn't worth the time and effort that other things that I care about, and then be able to foster those things, which Again, it's just very powerful and cool to see that you've been able to shift those gears and keep moving forward and evolve into the person you are where people get stuck and you kept evolving. So keep evolving. Um, But within that, obviously, you competed for about three or four years. You've always been passionate about strength and conditioning and fitness and health as a whole. Even if you didn't necessarily know every aspect of health, you always kept it in mind. It was always a presence. So when it came to coaching, did it feel like it was just the next step of, oh, I've competed, so now I coach people? Or was it something that you just always knew you wanted to help people and you realized you didn't want to be a PA anymore? Or how did that shift for you looking forward to your future? Yeah. Um well, I, I didn't take on my first client until I, after I won my pro card. Like I had a coach, thankfully, um, Corey Hammock, which doesn't coach anymore. He's higher up in the nursing world now. Um, and he was actually in nursing school when he was coaching me. He had kind of had a similar trajectory, he started competing, he turned pro early. Um, but he was, he was always, he always knew he didn't want to do that. Um, he always knew he wanted to do something else, which was nursing. And now I think he's a nurse practitioner or something mm-hmm. like he's doing well. Um, very brilliant guy. And he sort of introduced me to the early things of what we modeled a lot of campus physique and, and all of that stuff after early on, especially within the workout structure and, and teaching all of that stuff. And then as all of that sort of came together, school came together, um, what we were studying in school started to make more sense with the lifting and, and training for physique and um, all of that. And so for the coaching, it was, it was, there was sort of an interest there um, and it seemed like a natural evolution and other people that we were following on YouTube, sort of that was their evolution. And so the hypertrophy coach. Yeah. And, like uh, the online coach yeah. and like all these guys. And it was sort of like, it seemed like, you know, you do this and then when there's some interest, like you can start a business, you can do that. And, you know, for Alex and I, it kind of started as like, you know, obviously it started as Campus Physique, it started as a YouTube channel, it started as like a, a thing to have fun and and it's kind of do unapologetically. Like we didn't- Because of the love of it all. We didn't need permission. Yeah. I think that was the most beautiful thing that why this exists today is like, we didn't need permission to do it. And as Alex said, like people were making fun of us, like they thought we were silly and stupid and like wasting our time and didn't matter. You know, it didn't matter if they were right. It didn't matter if they were wrong. It just didn't matter because we knew what we were, we were, we knew we wanted to do what we were doing. And I think it was less about what we were trying to achieve physically and more about who we were becoming when we were doing it. Mm-hmm. And the friendship that was sort of created from that and the bond there. And then 
everything else kind of like was a natural thing. It was just like, well, there's some interest here. Like, let's write some programs and sell them for $15, you know, who, that were just like pure carnage, like pure <laughs> obnoxious volume and and you name it. We but, should find an old training program and yeah. go through it on YouTube. For reference, our first on-sale program, I think, was called Wrecked. <laughs> so you felt wrecked afterwards. It spelled Alex's spelling. And if you know Alex, he's <laughs> it makes so much makes sense. so much sense. R-E-K-T. <laughs> wrecked. Um, I'm zero percent surprised that was his <laughs> yeah. idea. Oh, absolutely. Like Alex has always been that part of like this relation, like the goofiest, silliest part. Um, and if you know Alex, there's few people I think that know Alex like that. But it's mm-hmm. if you know Alex like that, it's a very special that true goofy side. I always say that no one truly knows no how goofy knows. he is. No one knows. Yeah, there's there's some clips on YouTube that can allude to it, but no <laughs> one truly knows. Um, and yeah, that was that was what we were doing. And it's sort of like it was this natural flow of evolution. We were doing it unapologetically. We didn't need permission from anyone to do it. And, you know, we were becoming the, I think we were becoming the people we wanted to become, right? Mm-hmm. We were doing the things we wanted to do. And that's all that mattered. And then that kind of turned into, well, programs are selling, you know, and we're, we're at least making it. We, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't kick off, you know, we're, <laughs> we're like making enough to like, you know, we're fill our gas tank up all the way rich at that point, right? <laughs> like we could buy our food, you know, um, which was enough for, you know, like going back, thinking about it, it's like all we wanted was to be able to like truthfully was like in the like, early days was like buy our groceries, have money to buy our supplements and be able to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. As long as those things were taken care of, like however we can finagle it to do that, let's do it. And so like coaching was kind of that next evolution was like, well, we can kind of start a business from this. Mm -hmm. So we started to do that. We opened it up and we got some clients and that again, kind of just kept paying the bills slowly but surely. And then, you know, in 20, it ended up, it was in 2016 that we had the big rebrand to physique development. That was kind of like, I was graduating from university and it was like, are are we doing this like for real? Mm -hmm. You know, like we gonna make this, you know, try to make a career out of this. And like make a true like company a business you know and again to, to this day we never knew it was going to be, be anything this. be this or be anything and it was just kind of like, it's a nice surprise <laughs> um but that was kind of the, the evolution of of going from starting a youtube channel out of pure passion and because we wanted to and then selling programs to coaching to what it is today yeah i think that The really cool thing, and Alex and I have had multiple conversations about this, is that all of us started our businesses because we just loved what we were doing. There was, and like looking back with the knowledge I have now, and also looking back kind of from my parents' perspective, I'm like, holy shit, who let me do that? (laughs) Because like, I had no huge plan about how I was going to pay my bills and like make money past that month, I had nothing. I was just like, I'm going to be a fitness coach. And you guys were the same way of just, I love this so much. Let's just keep doing this because like, I'm I'm not really interested in something else. And it's crazy because we were all just kids, literally. And we were like, let's start this. And it could have crashed and burned horribly. But it's so, 
freaking awesome that yeah. we're all here still doing it and still loving it, all loving it in different ways that we loved it when we first started, but there's still that base of passion. And I think that's something that separates PD, at least in my opinion, is that undying passion for what the base of this is and where it all started from. Yeah. And, and it's, I think in the early, for all of us, like it, if it failed, it failed. Like yeah. it didn't matter. And I think that's a special thing. Like there wasn't this dire, like, well, this has to work, you know, like the, there's, there's pressure on it. And it's like, it just, it just worked because of the passion. I think because of the passion and because you just kept doing what you wanted to do and doing what you were learning more about and doing what you were good at and like putting forward those skill sets, right? Like being a people person, being a good person mm -hmm. and, you know, showing up on time having discipline, having consistency, all the things that competing has taught us and reinforced in our lives, which again, I know Alex was talking about kind of like all the positives. And I know you shared these with like what bodybuilding's brought to your life, right? And, and bodybuilding is a part, big part of my life now, but I would not be close to the person I am today. And who knows where my life would be and who I would be without bodybuilding in my mm -hmm. life. Um, and so there's a lot of positives to take from that, right? And, and it's I think it's a lot up to you on which what you take from it and what you choose to disregard as a learning lesson mm -hmm. um, versus like taking the worst from it and then disregarding all the positives, <laughs> right? There's two sides of that coin. Um, but yeah, I think, I think just, I think just acting without needing permission and mm -hmm. doing things because you wanted to do it because they were fun. And because when you woke up, that's all you wanted to do. And how can we find any excuse to keep doing it? And, this is proof in the pudding. This is the excuse. How can we find any excuse to keep talking about this shit um, and, and have people be interested in it and and to learn from it is cool. And there's still so much to learn after so all learn. the time yeah. that we've spent. Which I think is exciting too, right? Yeah. Like there's no, and I think it's, it's sort of that thing where, um, it's sort of that thing where the more you learn, the, the, the more you realize you don't know. And I think that's exciting, I think for all of us because we're all, we're all learners and mm -hmm. we all like to to discover new information and discover new ways of, of a practice right and i know alex said this in his too of like i think we all share that common thread of it doesn't matter who it comes from if it's helpful it's helpful mm -hmm. and we're going to take in every bit of information possible and we're going to distill it down to what helps us what mm -hmm. helps our clients what helps our business what helps people around us and that's all that matters and the rest will be the rest. And it doesn't matter really who says it. Yeah. And uh, like I said, in Alex's, just in case you haven't listened to it, we are going to dive into the business side of everything that PD is, roadblocks that we hit, and kind of more of that coaching side in another podcast. I really just wanted these to be about our, our core fitness journey because otherwise it would probably be way too long yeah. and it would drown on. But I think it's also really special to highlight each of our fitness journeys as a whole. Um, so within that, a question that someone asked was like, have you ever faltered from your goal? And I think that that question comes from the fact of a lot of people start and start stop their fitness journey and kind of falter from that overarching goal that they have. But I think for you and Alex specifically, it's not asking, did you ever falter from your goal, but more so taking that step back and realize that fitness is ever changing in each person's life. And like I talked about, some things don't serve you anymore and you have to be able to move past that. So instead of asking if you've ever faltered from your goal, of more so just how your view of health has changed since you started it 
and or you can kind of loop these in together of like how fitness has shaped your life to allow you to get to this point of what like what fitness is to you now. Because if I asked you five, six, 10 years ago of what fitness was to you, it would be extremely different than what fitness is in your life right now and what it means to you right now. Yeah, 10 years ago, my fitness was my marriage. My fitness was my <laughs> my therapy. <laughs> my fitness was everything, right? <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, what was the first one? Of like how your view of health has changed yeah. um, and what that looks like with how fitness shaped your life and who like what fitness is to you now. Yeah, I def- the health thing, I, I think we all share this. It's like early on, like it, w- it was purely for aesthetics. It was mm-hmm. purely, you know, driven through performance and we didn't really care. We didn't, you know, I always say like, if I would have taken blood work back in the day, it, it could have been good. It could have been terrible. Yeah. I don't. We weren't know. super reckless, but no. we also were not as health centric. We health focused <laughs> as much. I will say that um, there were a lot of like, like I remember. There's just crazy stories of you know trying to. What's the most creative, obnoxious nine year old at a birthday party way to fill my macros and still <laughs> deadlift 500 pounds? Like, and that was fun for me and fun mm-hmm. for us and. You know, like how can I can I finish this giant pack of Pop Tarts today and like still be shredded tomorrow? And, <laughs> and it was like I think back in that day too, like it was the early days of the your macros. It was the early days of all of that stuff and flexible Realizing dieting. That and, diving didn't have to be just chicken, broccoli, and rice. Yeah, and that was like really cool. So everyone was like, "What can I eat and still yeah. look good?" And I think it was an empowering time in fitness to realize you didn't just have to eat food that you didn't like. But I think that we've all found that middle ground of still eating food that fuels us and enjoying Pop-Tarts, of course. They're always on our shopping list. But finding what that looks like in that middle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's forming a better relationship with all of it. And I think like with any trend, with any viewpoint, with any way of looking at anything, I I think it starts out on – it first starts at one extreme and then it it goes to the other extreme. And then there's – through that time period, you ease – you ebb and flow your way to somewhere within the continuum of the middle, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's with all things mainly. Um, your viewpoints on certain topics, they'll go one, you know, and then they'll go to the other polarizing spot and then you land somewhere in the middle eventually, right? And so, you're, you know, our view around, I think, in my view around being healthy and eating healthy and, and being a just well-rounded person obviously starts out there or it starts out with like, you know, zero carb withholding water peak weeks to pure meal plan, pure cliff bar is a cheat meal to, you know, eating like a nine-year-old at a birthday party sort of vibe now to eating like a normal person (laughs) with intention and Mm -hmm. and knowledge and being able to just have a well-rounded, healthy relationship with nutrition and, and what it does and how it makes me feel and um, whatever enjoyment I want from it or don't want from it at that given time. Yeah. So it's kind of evolved, I think, in that way. Yeah, and then with lifting, you're still regularly lifting even though you yeah. don't have the aesthetic goal or that goal to get on stage yeah. just because lifting is health for you. It is that escape. It is that time. And it is that time to care about your body as well, which I think a lot of people just, if you lift, you're lifting for a goal, but it's yeah. not always that way. No, and I think lifting is is kind of that constant thread that holds the whole tapestry together for me. It's, as I was alluding to earlier, I think that as soon as lifting starts to take a backseat in my life, not that it's ever, ever, but it, it goes up and down. Like sometimes it's 
number two on the list. Sometimes it's number six on the list, like, but it's always on the list, right? But times where it kind of got knocked out of the top 10, um, it really started my, the, the rest of my life started to unravel and it's like, whoa, right? And then you have to start to evaluate, like, what are my like sort of foundational things that make me tick, that make me healthy, that make me feel good, that keep me doing things and living a intentional and disciplined life, you mm -hmm. know, and me becoming a better person and improved version of myself. And that definitely is training and lifting for me and always a time of reflection. And I, I think the conversations that usually, you know, happen in the shower for most people happen when I'm lifting, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm deep in thought typically, um, when I'm lifting and, and there's a lot of revelations that happen for me personally. And, you know, a lot of those shower conversations you have with yourself where you're kind of just like thinking through things. Um, it's just an extended hour, hour and a half long version when I lift. So it, when that's taken away or when I take that away, it is, um, it's noticed mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know for myself, so you might also feel this way that while there, I wouldn't change anything about my journey because it made me the person I am today. Right. But if you were to look back and be like, what are things that I could learn from or impart some wisdom off to someone else where they can learn their lessons maybe a different way? Yeah. But what were things like core things that you would say, like you wish you knew earlier or you wish you could impart on someone who is getting in their fitness journey or is possibly in a different spot than you? Yeah, I, I'd go with you too on that of like, I will share the the other, but I, I really wouldn't change anything because again, everything that does happen, again, you're viewing it from the lens and you have this, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you, how you perceive it, how you react to it. And there were so many curveballs that were thrown throughout that, you know, five-year period really, um, that were sort of I don't, not welcomed with open arms, but like received with open arms. Like I can get past this because I have these things in my life, mm -hmm. right? And it got me out of a bad path. It got me out of a bad friend group. It got me out of drug use at the time. And like, it got me out of a lot of things that I just didn't need to be in. And as a young kid, as an 18, 19 year old kid who has his whole life in front of him mm -hmm. and essentially was, had two paths to go down. And thankfully I sprinted down the one I'm, I went down because, <laughs> you know, God knows. Um, I know a lot of those guys that I could have went down the other path who are still doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. So I'm <laughs> um, very thankful for that. So there's not a huge, you know, amount that I would necessarily change because you learn so much. But, um, you know, little stuff like like the zero carb peak week I mentioned earlier, like withholding, you know, water and like trying to manipulate things, the variables that, that shouldn't necessarily be manipulated or, or tampered with as drastically as we did or as I did, um, you know, and that's just through, I think it's just a part of the journey almost, like almost everyone has like a sh sort of a shit time their first mm -hmm. go. And, um, I did win that show, um, thankfully, but the, getting there was sort of like, there was its own misery um, sort of intertwined with it. Um, but I don't know, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of, I think I could have had a little bit more compassion for myself and others. I think I could have been a little bit more empathetic to certain situations um, with friends. And I probably would 
hang out with more people. I think I would be more social mm -hmm. if I could, because I, I got to the point during my last couple of preps where I otherwise lived a very normal life. Best I ever looked and my goal was to look enhanced without being enhanced. And I think I achieved that, especially in my last prep, um, to the degree I think I was had you know the possibility as a 23, 24 year old mm -hmm. kid. But I otherwise lived a normal life. Like I went out with friends, like I didn't partake, but I just went out. I, I was a normal college person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was in a relationship. I, I ended up getting engaged and uh, for two peak weeks, I was on vacation for like, I just lived a normal, I mean, obviously I stuck to my plan. I did what I needed to do, but like, I just was normal, you know? And I, I think everyone's a bit different in this department, but I, I think you can have normality to your life, even when you're a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I know Alex mentioned too, on his episode that, you know, bodybuilding is a 24 seven thing. And I absolutely agree with that. And I think it's to, to kind of expand on that in my own view is like bodybuilding is a 24 seven state of mind, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't have to dictate your actions per se. Um, it doesn't have to stop you from doing life, but it, it, it has to be a constant background noise in your mind to be the best that you can be within it. Um, and I think those are two separate things, mm -hmm. right? I don't think those are, they commonly are aligned. They're commonly intertwined. Um, and sort of married together, but I don't necessarily think they have to be everything. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that would probably be off the top of my head, probably the the biggest thing I would change is forming more relationships with people. And it's something I'm still trying to get better at really. Yeah, so. yeah well, we'll have um, a Google form in the show notes. So if you have any other questions about Alex or Austin's fitness journey that we can answer, we might do an episode just putting together the questions from all three of us to get all of those answers to you all. Um, and then we will be doing a podcast on the business as a whole. But before we sign off or anything, um, first, I want to thank Austin for his time and just telling us his story. Because I think each of us, including all of the other staff members, have a special and unique story to tell. And it's also something that for me is really empowering to see how many people can come from so many different backgrounds and all not end up in the exact same spot, but end up with the same passion and the same thing that moved them to who they are today. And being able to hear those stories just reminds me to get out of my own way to realize people have different lives and they have different demons they're dealing with and different things they're trying to figure out. And just as you can be a kind person as much as you can, but also being able to learn from those journeys and learn from a different perspective. So um, if there's anything else, whether it's about your journey that you want to say before we peace out. Nothing more about me. I, <laughs> I mean, that was that was its own thing. But if you want to laugh, I know Alex referenced many of our old YouTube videos, but go to videos and go to like maybe sort by earliest or something or like. Yeah, on the physique development. Oh boy. YouTube. Physique development. Yeah. That was a stroke. Physique development <laughs> YouTube. Um, go back and watch some of those old videos. And if you want a good laugh, because it's. There's some great videos on there. <laughs> I will definitely yeah. say that that's the case. There's one where they're both in different look like locations they could have been in different states at the time because i think you were in indiana and he was in louisville yeah. um and they were doing full day of eating and they like 
at one point you only had the one GoPro that you're like sending yeah. to each other. But I think at that point, maybe you both had some sort of yeah, video got recording. You got a camera. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a full day of eating, but they're like completely in separate locations. They're like back to Austin yeah. and yeah. they're just being goofy yeah. college kids. Uh, so there's a lot of great, great ones um, that just show the evolution of what everything we've all been through to kind of get here. Um, and the fun we continue to have and had along the way because we are not all serious all the time at all. Uh, but no. yeah, I think without those vlogs, I think without those, and I, there's a component, like I don't want to carry a thing around and blog my yeah. life. Like I just don't one private getting more private as the internet gets more public. public. <laughs> um, but you know, as you get older and married and whatever else, like you want to be private, but, um, I think there is a component of, I think the the silliness and the, the overall just like fun that we have in general um definitely in th that day the early days but like now i mean i know we you guys get a lot of our serious stuff and a lot of us being just super like obviously educational, one of our educational yeah. but like one of our brand pillars i think is professionalism and that always i want that always to come through but don't lose sight of we're having fun, man. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> we love this shit. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're having fun. So if you want to laugh, go watch old <laughs> Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. And we'll see you in the next one. See ya. Hey, guys. Austin here. Thank you again for listening into the episode. It means a lot. If you can, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave the podcast a five-star review. This does help us grow and be found by others. Also, just wanted to mention, if you guys are interested in free education based around training and nutrition, be sure to check out physiquedevelopment.com backslash free education, where you will find free downloads, videos, articles, etc. No strings attached. Again, thank you. Chat soon.